0: they kill him i'm not sure huh. why didn't she just kill me your punishment must be more severe do you think he's coming back i don't
1: know why would you run Dane?
0: you should be as afraid of him as i am
2: I won't bury you. I've buried enough members of the Wayne family.
0: You don't owe these people anymore. You've given them everything. Not everything. Not
1: yet. Emergency. Batman speaking, warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news.
0: People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? If you make yourself more than just a man, the figure in the dark was my destiny. If you devote yourself to got to strike fear in them from the start. Then you become something else entirely. There are things about me that you wouldn't understand. What are you? I'm Batman.
1: Welcome to the Batman, a special presentation of the Dork Knights dedicated to the many incarnations of one of the greatest superheroes of all time. As part of this dynamic duo, I am your host, MB, and joining me is the hothead Mike Blake. The Foley to my Gordon and the Fire to my Rises Birdman. Good day, sir. Good afternoon. And the time is now. We've finally made it to this point.
2: It's been building up all six episodes. Yeah. Coming up
1: to this. Yeah, we have an entire saga under our belt. Exactly. Our history of Batman. Mm hmm. Our sad, sad obsession with a fictional character. Yes. Fully documented. We've been building up to this point since the beginning actually this is we talked about it last week that last week was the point that we built up to and i think that was a little bit false because the entire reason we did bat month was because of a certain movie that comes out in yes. july
2: yes and of course we all know what that movie is you know?
1: yeah the avengers
2: yes exactly oh what i thought you were talking about amazing spider-man
1: oh oh god we're on the wrong page aren't we Dear God, what have we done? What have we done? We've wasted six installments on this.
2: All right, well, there's still another time in July. We can do Spider-Man podcast. Let's
1: go. Let's up, <laughs> All the versions of Spider-Man.
2: How about this? Spider-Man never caught anyone a Jap devil, so he loses.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the important thing to take away from this. Yes, exactly. But no, we're, uh, of course, talking about The Dark Knight Rises. Yes, yes The you are. final movie in Christopher Nolan's trilogy, and... The most recent Batman movie to come out in cinemas. No one knows when another Batman movie is going to come out. Who will direct it? None of that stuff. Yeah,
2: seems like speculation is there may Batman may appear on screen again, just not in his own film. Possibly.
1: Possibly. That's one of the rumors. That's yeah. many rumors. Really, the thing is, is that the future is unknown. You know, yeah. we've been all about chronicling the past, but the fact of the matter is, we've kind of hit the end of the trail.
2: we're at the end of the line. From here on, no one knows what will happen.
1: Exactly. But what we do know is that both of us have seen The Dark Knight Rises. Yes. We both went at the midnight screenings. Mm-hmm.
2: This, this, of course, was uh, my second time I went midnight show <clears throat> for The Dark Knight four years ago.
1: This was the first Batman movie that I've ever went to a midnight for. I went to a midnight of Avengers, and that's it. This is the second midnight I've ever got to as well, but the first Batman. So, obviously, I went in with big expectations. Though, I also went in with low ones, which is kind of strange in and of itself.
2: I think the same way. I was kind of... At the same time, I was excited and afraid a little bit because I didn't want... You know, everybody knows... The way the Raimi Spider-Man franchise ended up, yeah, you know they they dropped the ball more than once in that film.
1: Yeah, and history has looked very unfondly on that series because of the third movies.
2: And I think that's kind of unfair.
1: It is unfair. It it really is. And the thing is, is that even with that in mind, it's like third movies in general. I mean, how many can you really name that live up or exceed? or even really meet the expectations. You have Return of the Jedi, which, you know, is a good film, it's just, it's not Empire. Yeah,
2: everybody knows about the third Superman film.
1: Yeah, the third X-Men film really didn't meet expectations. And especially with comic book movies, it's like, because every one of them are building up to a franchise, it's, it's really difficult to juggle that, to keep it fresh. Is I, yeah. It's to keep it entertaining and not really re- retreading the same grounds or mm. just going wildly off-center and forgetting everything that made the first two films great.
2: Yeah, which is kind of odd considering that you, a lot of these characters, you've got years and years of stories and materials to adapt. But it just seems like after like two good showings, after the third one, they kind of fall flat.
1: Yeah, it's like they kind of get in, into a panic because the second one is usually successful and they yeah. kind of see it as oh, we we got to make it just as good, and now the pressure's on, and it gets to them. I I mean, it's a case-by-case basis, but at the same time, it's just kind of a noticeable pattern. So, going in, it's like, this could have easily not worked. It could have easily, at any point, just become just as bad, if not worse, because of the insane expectations. Yeah,
2: and also, there could have been some trepidation just because of the success of The Dark Knight. You know, with more success... Directors, producers, that they get more, a little more creative freedom than they had, at, you know, once before. And with you know, the Dark Knight making a billion dollars,
1: you know, yeah, who's, not... who's
2: going to say no to Christopher Nolan?
1: Yeah, and not only that, but it's like the Dark Knight also set what many people consider to be a very high precedent in that it's a really tough act to follow. People consider that to be the iconic comic book movie. Mm-hmm. I don't personally agree because I like Batman Begins more, but I think. I can see why people would see it like that because it is a um, fantastic movie.
2: I think, as far as like a comic book movie, Batman Begins is better, but when it comes to like overall filmmaking, just in terms of cinematography, plot, structure, themes, stuff like that, The Dark Knight is better as an overall movie, uh, not necessarily as a Batman movie or a comic book movie.
1: Well, you know, to each their own, and yeah. really, everyone has their opinion, but going in this it's like the pressure was on for sure yeah. and for us as fans it's like going in you really you don't know what to expect because the trailers made it look really good of course
2: yeah trailers do that
1: yeah trailers have made terrible movies look good like green lantern was made to look <laughs> really good yeah
2: one thing too is we're recording this on friday night after you know both of us went to midnight showing us being like nearly 20 hours over 20 hours since we saw the film We've had time, to let it digest, for us to mull it over, like, that's what I've been doing the better part of the day as I've been doing stuff throughout the day, like, in the back of my mind. I've been thinking about the film and, like, what I thought about it.
1: Yeah, and also, it's, even as we speak now, it's kind of a risk to talk about it because we've seen it so close to...
2: Yeah, it's still fresh, and I would like another second viewing, or a second viewing.
1: But we made a commitment. We were going to end this by the 22nd. Yeah. and. Now we're here, mm-hmm. we've seen The Dark Knight Rises, and I guess it would be fair to start off with our theater experiences, because they could make or break, I mean, they have the potential to make or break the outlook that we have on the film.
2: Possibly, yeah, sometimes. Not too much, I would think. Like with me, you know, like I said, I had a very lackluster crowd. I was kind of disappointed in that, but it didn't kill you know, my enthusiasm, necessarily. It just, you know, kind of you know, stuff I expected to uh, you know, be big applause and cheers and stuff didn't happen with my audience.
1: My theater experience was kind of strange, I would say, because when I went in and I paid for my ticket, it said at the top, Amazing Spider-Man on the marquee. Uh-oh, <laughs> oh, hold on, wait yeah. a minute. Yeah, and I looked at my ticket and I looked at the screen room and it was the same screen, it was screen two. So I was like, huh, what do I do? With trepidation, I took my seat and actually... When I went in, there weren't as many people there as I expected because I got there for a twelve o one showing at about eleven thirty uh-huh. or eleven twenty five. One of yeah. the between that time and yeah. when I went to Avengers and I went, I got there about fifteen minutes before it started. The crowd was packed; like the theater yeah. was packed. There was only like one or two seats available, and I got one of the two. Uh,
2: yeah, there weren't many people in my
1: theater. Like uh,
2: there were a lot of folks up top, but like in the low levels, there weren't many people. And I think that was kind of a, because even though they were, there was a midnight showing, they it was on like six screens, six or seven screens at the multiplex. So, I mean, they probably had everybody spread out, because when I was leaving, the parking lot was packed, you know, people were coming out in droves, you know, out the screens and stuff.
1: Yeah, and now that I think about it, it's like, I pulled up to the theater, there were tons of cars out there, it's just... For some reason or other, I didn't really pay attention to how many screens were showing it because I don't think there were a ton of them. It's just that for some whatever reason, a bunch of people were there and I guess... I mean that had to be the only movie that played there at midnight because i of don't course, think
2: yeah. that's what me and my brother were talking about when we were driving to go see it like you know thursday night usually theaters like their last showtime is usually about 10 o'clock especially on a weekday
1: so really when i went in it was just kind of like it was kind of a weird moment where i thought huh maybe this isn't gonna be as successful as i thought it'd be but then <laughs> i sat down and there was a full row that was free that I sat down at the first available seat right in front of the row. I sat down I started playing a little Angry Birds on my phone just to pass the time because I was I had about like 40 minutes to go. Yeah. and all of a sudden every few seconds someone would walk in. Every few seconds a family would walk in or two individuals would walk in or honestly like the, the theater grew in front of me. These seats that were not taken were suddenly being taken and by the time that the lights dimmed and the movie was about to start Just about every seat was filled. I saw people in the bottom rows, and there were families. There were whole families down there.
2: Coming to bask in the glow of Batman.
1: Yeah. And actually, I sat in a row next to two people who had capes and plastic cowls on. Nice. But, okay. Okay. We've talked about a theater experiences a little bit. We should probably get into the nitty-gritty of it, because this is what we're advertising. You know, this is what people are listening for, if anyone's listening.
2: Which... No one's not listening, so
1: don't worry about it. Yeah, we we can say whatever you want. We
2: should have just jumped in and started, but what did you think of the movie?
1: Okay, well, going in, doing Month, I think was a really cool thing to... Put things in perspective because you have all this history. We've done everything from the nineteen forties serials. We talked about those, the sixty series, the Burn films, the Schumacher films, and the animated series, and finally the Nolan films. Mm-hmm. The whole and, history. Yeah. So going into it, you kind of felt this history looming over you as you watched the movie. Was it like that for you too, as it was for me?
2: I, I would say yes. But also know at the same time, just to be, just to contradict myself. But for, for the most part, you know, there was some stuff like that reminded me a lot of just Batman in general. Like we talked about, there were a few Easter eggs in there. You know, the comics, the stuff in the comics, and maybe even the you know the animated series. And I think the, what it did for me mostly was get me hyped up and appreciated for this coming movie. Mostly.
1: Well, as far as answering your question goes, it was fantastic. I really liked it. Pretty neat. Yeah, pretty neat. But I honestly felt that it was the best threequel that has ever been done as far as a superhero movie goes. I felt like it retained what was cool about the other two films, but also presented enough of its own stuff to keep it fresh. Looking back on all three of them, you know, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises, they all feel different to me in some way but they all are chapters of the same story
2: i of course agree with you um i had some nitpicks with it but they were mostly that mostly nitpicks but for me at the end of the day you know the good far 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 outweighs bad. yeah and um yeah i see what you're saying with it felt like the chapter especially if there's a lot of stuff they bring up in this film that call back to the dark knight calls back to batman begins that worked really well for me on a lot of levels
1: yeah and not only that but there were some for the first time in the series there were flat-on flashbacks integrated shots from the other movies like at the beginning with okay at this point we should probably let people know there are going to be a lot of spoilers
2: oh no i figured you'd put that like in the show description
1: yeah but some people aren't smart enough to read
2: those people are called tennessee (laughs) I'm sorry, no, Mississippi. We have established that Mississippi is the asshole of the South.
1: We are going to get into spoilers. So if you don't want to know anything about the movie and you haven't seen it yet, I would suggest not listening from here on out. Turn
2: it off now. Yeah. N-O-W. Now.
1: Yeah. Because we don't want to be blamed for, you know, ruining the movie for anybody. Because this...
2: Yeah, well, you know... Uh, that's fine with me.
1: You're not as considerate as I am. You're you're more like a blackened soul type. Of person. Yes. But at the beginning, you have Commissioner Gordon at a gala in front of Wayne Manor celebrating Harvey Dent Day, because as we know from The Dark Knight, you know he was said to be murdered by Batman. Yeah. And. In that scene, you have integrated flashback shots of Aaron Eckhart as Two Face, showing you know what really happened as Gordon mulls over the opportunity to tell everyone the truth.
2: Yeah, that's something I especially loved throughout the film. You know, up until you know, up until you know, towards the end of the film, you just see like these shots of gordon like dealing with his guilt over you know burying the truth having like you know they've established like they established in that scene at the beginning you know crime in gotham city is at all-time low you know it's their things are peaceful but the problem with it is that you know it's peace that's been built on a lie
1: yeah and not only that but it's like it's a false sense of peace because not many scenes later crime is just as frivolous as it always was in Gotham just people don't know it like it's it's a secretive type of thing now before it was out there and it was very much clear to see now corruption and crime are just kind of behind closed doors yeah. and that's no more prevalent than when we meet Selena Kyle who in this film of course is played by Anne Hathaway mm-hmm. and in the comics of course Catwoman She's never really referred to as Catwoman, but you see a headline that yes. says that calls her a cat burglar, so.
2: The cat is like her handle or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, like it was in the early comics.
2: And, you know, I really didn't expect them to actually call her Catwoman at any point because they seem to do that a lot in superhero movies. Like, really, like the code names they don't use that much with certain characters, you know?
1: Yeah. Which. Fair enough, you know, we we know who she is. Yeah. So going into the film, it's a very dreary world. Very kind of almost depressing because Bruce Wayne has been a shut-in for the last eight years. And, you know, nobody's really done anything about it. When you see him for the first time in the movie, he's really, like, frail and stuff. Like, it's almost really kind of actually kind of sad to see because you've seen how this is, as much as it's tortured Gordon, this you know, it's tortured him even more.
2: Also, I also noted, I wouldn't say it's not so much the lie, it's partially some of it. I think like the two biggest things for him is like uh, the absence of Batman in his life and the absence of Rachel.
1: Um, I disagree with that. I think that's more of after he quit being Batman, that anchored him in tragedy. That was more of like, that was something that kept him from moving on with his life.
2: He really doesn't have a purpose anymore. In his yeah. eyes, you
1: know. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have any means now that he's stopped being Batman to yeah. be happy.
2: Like in his eyes. That was the only way he could be happy was with her.
1: Yeah and it's kind of brought to a head when he decides to quit being Batman and he realizes he has nothing left. So it's kind of a tragic existence that he's been living out for the last eight years, and Selena Kyle comes into his life trying to steal not only his fingerprints, but she takes a necklace from the safe. His mother's pearls. Yeah, really, that's kind of the first thing that sparks him into action because it kind of gets his gears going a little bit because he goes... After that encounter, it's the first time they John gone the a bat cave in a while. Yeah. Alfred finds him at the back computer trying to figure out who she is and all of that. And I also really like that scene because for the first time you see Bruce being a legitimate detective without the magic bullet logic.
2: Yeah, um, the CGI bullet. Yeah. I, I love that moment too just because, you know, I'm a sucker for Detective Batman. Yeah. That's and- one of my more favorite aspects of the character.
1: Yeah, and, you know, he has more of an analytical mind than yeah. has been shown kind of previously. Even as he's trying to figure this out, you know, Albert's like, uh, you're really going back to this? Yeah. Can't we just move on?
2: There's one thing I did notice. I don't know if you noticed. I've seen somebody comment on it, like, on the internet. like but During his eight-year exile, did Bruce Wayne become Oliver Queen? Because, like, you look at his facial hair, and he's rocking a bow and arrow when he first sees Selena, you know?
1: <laughs> I didn't think about that, but yeah. Yeah, it's kind of strange you know bruce is very much not the character that we've come to know because he's been so torn down so distraught and so defeated really by what happened with the dent and the joker and not only that but i think it was just a big thing where he had to give everything up he felt like he had to give everything up to honor the city when he really just he didn't realize that he could have easily just moved on with his life
2: yeah and i do kind of feel like that was sort of maybe like contradictory to what but like, you know they, they the way the dark knight ends with him riding off you know that regardless of what happens he's still going to be out there only it turns out nope he decides not to stay out there he quits
1: yeah and maybe that was a little bit of a flaw because they never really get into his exact reason for quitting yeah. There's plenty of implications there. It's really, like, vague because it's more about his return to action. I think the reason that it kind of chose that path was really the Dark Knight Returns, which I think was kind of loosely based on.
2: Yeah, um, that and a few other things that I think we'll get into.
1: Yeah, but obviously, you know, you can't really mention a story like this without mentioning the villain of the piece.
2: Yes, of course.
1: And, exactly. of course, you know, the Joker, even without Heath Ledger's performance, which is wildly regarded as a huge huge thing. Like it's it's kind of gained a following of its own. Just yeah. not even the Joker, it's Heath Ledger as the Joker.
2: Exactly. Um I mean it got him an Oscar for a reason.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, well I I could oh, I could, okay. I, I, could de- I could debate those reasons. You
2: think it's you think it's a PD Oscar, I see.
1: I don't think I think it just was, but we can get into that another time. Um, the fact of the matter is, regardless of what he got his Oscar for, it was an amazing performance. Yes. And you know that's bad enough, but not only that, it's Batman's arch nemesis. You know, yeah, of course. it's kind of, it's kind of like trying to follow Darth Vader after he's been taken out of the series in Star Wars.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you know, with the first four films you would you could say they arguably used for the most interesting I mean the first two films. They used arguably four of the most interesting Batman films. In mm-hmm. you know, in those first in those first two films. Yeah. So
1: Yeah, but of course Catwoman was one that they had never touched so that was Yeah. That was obviously gonna be a, a big contributing factor to the film's success just because that was always a character everyone had wanted to see in this universe but the choice of bane as the villain i think kind of left people a little bit surprised because you know traditionally he's not considered the big bad that yeah. he was made up to be not only in this movie but in the comic books too that yeah and,
2: um you know people some people don't care for him he's relatively new you know compared to the rest of the Rogue's Gallery.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know when you mention characters, like there are so many other people that they would recognize more. Like yeah. you, you would think the Riddler would have been a logical choice for a role in Batman.
2: I mean, people are talking about the Riddler being in Batman since, I mean, since after Batman Begins finished, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, they talked about him for the Dark Knight, but Bane going in, it's like. Unless you're really familiar with comics, it's like there's not much reason to get excited until you see footage. And for this, I don't know. How did you feel about when they first showed footage of Bane?
2: Um, I don't know. I was kind of indifferent, honestly, because for the most part, Bane's a character that I'm one of those people. I really, I don't hate him. I don't necessarily love him. I'm just, I'm just. I, mean, I think I liked him in like Secret Six and stuff. And honestly I've never read Nightfall, so I can't judge him as a villain on his own. Yeah. But um yeah, I was kinda indifferent to it. Like, you know, I know they I knew they were gonna make changes, to put their own spin on it, but I don't know. I mean I would have kinda it'd be cool for him to have a mask, but I don't mean, like masks. And you know, most mostly masks in the in comic book movies are kind of, you know, if they can get rid, if they can find a way to do do without they will with masks.
1: Yeah, 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 there's always like a scene where a hero conveniently gets his mask pulled off, like in the yes. Avengers with Captain America or Spider Man Two. It's the biggest. Yeah, it seems like every other minute he was losing his mask in that movie. Pretty much. But yeah, um, with Bane, it's like I was kind of disappointed when I first saw him because I didn't like the whole muzzle thing. I thought it looked stupid. Mhm. And the voice, my God, the voice. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I know you. I know you're building it. I can tell. I can hear your hand moving around your microphone. I knew it was coming.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, it's like it was a very unorthodox version of Bane going in. So I went in. I think low expectations as, as far as he went. Like I like Tom Hardy as an actor. I think he's a really great actor. And I think he, even going in, I thought he was a good choice for Bane. It's just yeah. the version that they chose that kind of got to me.
2: Well, um, well, how did that how how did that live up? To, I mean, your your speculation and your you know your first criticism did you know did it live up? Did it surpass what you thought they could do? Or
1: well, here's my reaction to Bane in the movie. When I first saw him, when he's in that prologue, you know that whole scene where he's in the plane at the beginning and he kidnaps Doctor Pavel. Uh huh. That. Came off as really weird because I had seen the prologue and his voice sounded different in that than it did in the final film. And the final film it kind of got overdubbed, I think, with a yeah. I noticed
2: with, that it sounded like it was a lot louder. You know, yeah,
1: it's like I like, I think because people complained that they couldn't hear him in grainy footage. Yeah, um, that they I guess altered the voice a little bit, and it seems really out of place when you first see it. Then his other scenes happened, and the more the film went on, the less bothered I was by the yeah. voice. That's how I was, like,
2: pretty much after, like, the first, like, the opening scene. Yeah. Yeah. You know, after, like, the plane crash and all that, you know, I kind of, I settled in, I kind of, I mean, I got used to it.
1: Yeah, well, it's not so much that I got used to it, because I think it would have been out of place if it was as bad as it was, like, in the promotional stuff and all that. Yeah. After they've went in and done some stuff, I think they actually improved the voice and he actually sounds formidable and he sounds cool and at some points he even sounds a little bit frightening just yeah. the way Hardy plays it. But um, the look actually, not once did I ever think about the look. Like even in the pro, like I never thought for once like, oh the mask looks stupid there. It's like no, it, it, I, I tolerated it, I was fine with it. And, and the end of the day, I actually came off really liking Bane in the movie. I thought he was yeah, me, really good. Yeah, um,
2: me too. Like, especially like from what little bit I've seen of him, you know, in the comics and stuff. I feel like he kind of lived up to his uh, his reputation as being, you know, sort of the strategist and the you know kind of the force of destruction that he had, you know, that he has been in the comics.
1: Yeah, and. As someone who's read Nightfall and Vengeance of Bane and a bunch of other stuff that kind of delves into his backstory, I'm surprised at how close to the comics that his backstory really is. Cuz
2: yeah, especially with like, you know, the stuff being born in the prison and all that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and he was a part of it even after the big reveal where it's revealed that maybe he wasn't necessarily someone that they were talking about. Yeah. He's still in the prison, he was still born there, he was still a big part of it. And that's very true to his origin. And he actually has a really tragic backstory that I didn't expect. Like, that scene actually really moved me. So, yeah, as far as Bane goes, I was completely satisfied. And there's a scene in the midway of the movie. It actually happened later than I thought it would. Where Batman and Catwoman go down into the sewers. Because, you know, Batman's made a deal with her that... By this point, of course, Batman is back...
0: Yeah,
2: and, he's, he's... He's gotten off... He's gotten back on his horse. Yeah. Or his Batpod, whatever you going to call
1: him. Yeah, met, metaphorical horse.
2: Yeah. And, uh... Um, Although Batman
1: riding a horse would be fucking awesome. It would be. It would be. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> you never included it. But, you know, Batman and Catwoman are going down to the sewers, and the gate closes behind Batman, and Catwoman reveals, you know, she, she had to do this. You know, she, she just... You know, wanted her ticket out of Gotham and betrayal. Know, yeah she was only doing it for her own interest then Batman turns around and there he is and what proceeds to happen is one of the coolest fights I've ever seen in a comic book movie oh yeah
2: probably the best fight of the trilogy just because like you know people have complained some of the fight scenes and I can see where they're coming from you know and I've had some my like, complaints as well like, with the you know the blurry kind of Quick moving cameras and shots and stuff as Batman fights.
1: Yeah, and uh, I've always felt that's kind of a little too harped on. But I definitely get what you mean.
2: Yeah, and I also get the point of it. Kind of like they're showing Batman as like this almost supernatural force of nature. You know, in the middle of a fight, he takes advantage of chaos and confusion to kick ass.
1: Yeah, and and this is very much like. No, that's not really what he's being able to do here, because there's at one point where he tries to throw flash grenades at Bane, and yeah. all Bane does is stand there and just keep walking, saying theatricality and deception, powerful agents to the uninitiated, but we are initiated because they make a very big deal. They make a very big deal out of Bane being the new head of League of Shadows,
2: yeah. or a former member of the League of Shadows who went his own way. He's supposedly, you know, excommunicated by the League.
1: Yeah, yeah, excommunicated, but uh, certain revelations come up in the end. Yes,
2: um, but yeah, that 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 line where you know he mentions you know the the nice callback to Batman Begins, I love that, and also like during the fight, you know, Batman's getting his ass whooped, of course, and so he tries to retreat to the
1: darkness, you know, and, and all Bane does is stand there. Yeah, and he just he doesn't do anything. All he does is taunt Batman. And Batman approaches from behind him. All of a sudden, Bane just spins around and grabs him.
2: Yeah, because he talks about how, like, you know, he uses the shadows, but, you know, Bane was born in them. Yeah. And the shadow, the, the shadow, Batman's own weapons, the shadow itself betrays him in his moment of need, you know. Just very, very cool stuff.
1: Yeah, and one thing that I really loved about the fight was that the entire time Catwoman is watching, and you can see it on her face, that she really regrets what she just did. Yeah. Um, but there's one moment that was probably the greatest of that entire scene and honestly that entire scene was probably my favorite scene in the movie Um, was when Bane just starts like the entire fight it kind of seems like Bane's toying with him a little bit
2: yeah he never like fully he's like a cat playing with like a mouse in his cause he never he doesn't want to go all out and end the fight he just wants to keep toying with him you know pushing him Around a little more, making him mad, you know,
1: just to see him react. And it does work because Batman, like, he has such, like, agonizing screams during that because he's just trying to get a, he's just trying to get something on the guy, and he can't. And then finally, Bane just, he stops toying around, and he just unleashes these punches into Batman's skull that are so hard that it moves the cowl, shifts the cowl, and breaks off a piece of it.
2: Breaks off half of his mask, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it still lingers there as he picks Bruce up over his shoulder, lets him fall, and then slams his knee into his spine.
2: Yes. Oh Right that's right from the comics.
1: Yeah, and they they did it. I didn't expect it to happen, but they did it.
2: And I'm really surprised that, you know, he you know, I will break you he mentions that and you know, that he used that.
1: Yeah, yeah, he actually did the line. I, I was surprised by that, too. Yeah. Um, but, uh... What, what's some of your favorite moments?
2: My favorite moment... Now, this is... This is this is from the very end of the film. Uh, I'll get this out of the way. This is the moment that almost made me cry. Seriously.
1: Um, I think I know what you're talking about.
2: You know me. I'm a big fan of Jim Gordon. You know. Uh, well... Yeah. Um... And you know, like, I'll, before I get into my favorite, I have to mention you know, in Gotham City when you know shit's up against the wall, Batman's nowhere to be found. Who is it that's out there in the streets, starting a secret underground, you know, resistance against Bane? It's not yeah. Batman. It's not Catwoman. It's Jim Gordon.
1: Exactly. Jim Gordon once right. again, he is the hero of this series.
2: And when you know the evil mastermind of the film tries to blow up Gotham City. With the converted H bomb, who is it that stops the bomb from blowing up? Not Batman, not Catwoman, Jim Gordon. Exactly. Jim Gordon. But, um, but yeah, one of my favorite moments was, um, at the very end, you know, Batman, he knows that you know, he has to get rid of the bomb. And, yeah. you know, he, and you know, you know, Gordon tells him, to, you know, at least let me know your name. So we can, you know, because Gordon knows that he's going
1: to die. Yeah, this city needs to know who his protector really was.
2: Yeah, and you know he mentions. Like, and it's the like point I, of Batman.
1: Yeah, and um, he actually does mention like you know I've never cared who you are. I don't think it's important, but the city deserves to know.
2: Yeah. But um, yeah, he says you know the point of Batman is he can be a, you know he's he's everybody because he mentions like you know um. The heroes, you know, it's something everybody can be a hero, even if it's like a uh, um, comforting. Yeah, you know, I can't remember, oh god, I exactly what he said, but he somehow, you know, he put a coat around a young boy and uh, reminded that you know everything was going to be all right. And then they cut to that scene, yeah. And Batman begins where he, you know they show Gordon doing that to
1: Bruce and Gordon. And Gordon looks up and he says, Bruce Wayne?
2: But just, you know, just what he says and that nice callback to him. You know, I was, yeah, I don't know. i am be kind of emotional now. God, leave this alone. But this man.
1: The hat. The hat.
2: <laughs> I thought the hat was going to make me cry, but this is what done it for me. But um, just that moment, just that callback to, you know. To that and just even when he says because it shows that you know Gordon was you know Batman's hero for that you know that one moment
1: yeah and honestly I think what gets me is that it just wasn't expected
2: not at all that's what it got me to
1: and I didn't expect so many references to the to not only the other films but specifically Batman Begins Like, it really seems like a a real sequel to that movie rather than The Dark Knight. Though it's definitely a sequel to both, but... Uh, yeah. There is one moment that kind of got me... ...emotional, too. Um, What was it? It's at the end. At this point, Batman has... For all the world knows, Batman has sacrificed himself to save Gotham City. Because he's... Because he's flown the Bat out to sea. Like the, they say repeatedly that the bomb can only go off an a affected six mile radius. Batman goes out six miles yeah. with the bomb in tow, flying the bat, and then it explodes. And we see like a mushroom cloud. Uh, everybody's you know Batman dead. That's what the, everyone is convinced of. But because yeah, because Gordon knew that Batman was Wayne at that moment. He is at. His eulogy, because Bruce Wayne is also said to be dead. Yeah. Which, um, which. Now that I think about it, it's like, how did they? I don't know how they knew that. But,
2: well, like to me, it kind of like this. What some me and my brother talked about when we were leaving. Like it makes sense because like throughout the film, you see Bane, the mob of guys they've been persecuting the rich and the wealthy of the city. So who's not to say in the chaos and the confusion, Bruce Wayne was murdered. True. Oh, he went missing, presumed
1: dead. Yeah, and though, yeah, even though he lost his fortune at some point, really, like I guess at the end of the day, he could have easily been a casualty. So yeah,
2: exactly.
1: Um, but the scene I'm talking about is at the funeral when Gordon's done reading his eulogy and everyone's left. Alfred is standing there at the grave. Oh, I know, man. If Thomas and Martha waited, Michael Caine gives such a great performance in this. He's just, he is just destroyed over this because he feels like he's failed the, his parents. And, you know, he just he just has really, really bitter exchange with himself about how he's, you know, he's failed and everything. And he walks away, and there's the three raves And, of course, you know, that later proves on to be he didn't actually fail them. But yeah. just for that moment, it was like, wow, I got to... But yeah, you know, the film not only has emotional beats, because it has plenty of that. Like, I honestly think some of the greatest character moments come from Bruce Wayne in that prison, just having to be forced to watch Gotham City destroyed.
2: Yeah, um, it really brought it back to like to, um, <clears throat> the character, uh, character development, like Batman Begins. <laughs> you, know, with, you know, sort of. That's why I kind of taking it. From. The main reason why. He kills Bane, or not Not kills Bane, but the main reason why Bane almost kills him is because like, sort of, he's become s- complacent, I feel, you know what I mean? After everything that happened with the Joker and stuff, he thinks that, you know, he, he any, th- like, I think he says that, doesn't he? Any threat that comes, I can take it, or something. He mentions something to that effect, I thought, before yeah. Bane destroys him. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He, he's completely confident that he can take on Bane, yeah. and... Take him down, but you know even Alfred sees that you know Bane's ferocious enough to the point where he may not win if he takes a point, on, yeah. and he doesn't win.
2: Exactly, and like, you know just you know when Bruce ends up in the in the prison, the um the symbolic Lazarus Pit, if you will.
1: Yeah, I'm disappointed they never called it a Lazarus Pit.
2: Yeah. Um, well, to me, that that sort of it didn't sort of against the point to call it the Lazarus pit because like the Lazarus pit, you know, it it was it inspires hope and rebirth, and the whole point of the pit is that you die without any hope.
1: Yeah, and uh, well, I think that's still what I'm gonna go with, to but yeah, it could be that's like a an minor
2: ironic, ironic name, maybe. That's a
1: understand. that's a little. Yeah.
2: But um, but yeah, like you know, he's become complacent. You know, he thinks that, you know, anything he can, he can take on anything regardless. And, you know, it's nice to um, come down like a wake-up call for him. To not only see how his arrogance has affected his his body and his like, mind, but also that of an entire city.
1: Because Bane... You know what, so many reviews of this movie have said, you know, well. Bane isn't as good as the Joker. Here's my argument. Bane leveled half the city when the Joker and Ra's al Ghul both couldn't. They both tried, but they yeah. didn't succeed. And Bane did. And,
2: and I, I think one thing, too, is... Um, what, now you go ahead. I'll let you finish. First, you know, so.
1: And one scene specifically where D. Gotham being torn apart reminded me directly of No Man's Land.
2: The, the bridges...
1: No, not the bridges, the entire city itself, because they show shots of the city, and it's like, you see, like, clouds and stuff, and you see... Yeah, the stuff destruction. Just, yeah, you see stuff blowing up yeah. on a mass scale, and then, yeah, the bridge eventually explodes, too, but, yeah, that that just immediately, the moment I saw that, I said, no, man, that's Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: One thing, too, is, like, you know, people compare Batman and the bane to the Joker, um, and, uh... Like I think, like it's kind of unfair because if you think, like you think about it on like a, on the basic level, both their plots and their plans are very much different. Because whereas the Joker's plan was to, you know, chaos and disruption to throw things out of balance, Bane was very much his plan was control and domination.
1: Yeah, and he, know, actually, to, he actually he actually kind of wants he his whole master plan is to have the city turn itself. Upside down, yeah. Uh, but giving the city back to the people is what yeah, he
2: says. Making like sort of making like Gotham like very much animalistic and mob rule, T- making it so awful a place that it could possibly and then destroy it, not destroy it like while it's on top, you know, to to have fine memories of what it was, just to bring it down to like its most basic level, like, like Lord of the Flies kind of. Mob rule kind of deal, and then destroy it.
1: Mm-hmm. And he even has that line, you know. Then, when you've seen Gotham as ashes, like like just like in the t- just like in the trailer, yeah. When you when Gotham is ashes, you have my permission to die. And he lives up to that promise because Gotham ne- very nearly becomes nothing but ash. You know, it goes very badly, I and mean, you you sense the scale of it as the movie goes along, because Gotham is very much this... Like, I remember one moment, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is walking into police headquarters, and nobody's in there except a bunch of orphan kids and, you know, caretakers and stuff, and that's where you really get the sense, you know, this is no longer a city. This is, like, a prison. They're all being yeah. held within a big prison that, he, that Bane has turned Gotham into. So... Yeah, I... Wow. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, We could go on and on about this, but we've we've already gone on an hour, so maybe we should kind of shift gears a little bit.
0: Uh Um,
1: As far as performances, who would you say was your favorite? For me, I felt like Bale,
2: just because, like, one of the complaints I think we both had about the Dark Knight was, like, really... Bruce didn't do much like pretty much all he did was react to the Joker mm-hmm. that's pretty much all he did in the movie for the most part you know
1: yeah and I agree because in this movie he gets to do more with the character and do more that is true to the character than I think either of the films actually I think this is where he really came into his own as Bruce Wayne and Batman because you know he gets to do the detective stuff but he also gets to do the do the agony of defeat type of arc and yeah. he gets to go through such a period of emotions like such a gauntlet and he pulls it off very well it's yeah. probably his finest performance as Batman
2: um and I do think like like I meant to mention earlier is that um the whole the whole you know the scenes with him in the pit very much you know they make the analogy to it reminding him of the whale that he fell into as a young boy in the very beginning Bat. the very the opening scene of batman begins um but i felt like some of the themes of both the films come back in certain scenes and i think that was one of them especially like you know how like the big theme of batman begins was fear and you know at the end of batman begins you know he sort of learns to conquer his fear but in this one like, he kind of learns to accept fear yeah. Because he needs fear.
1: Yeah, he needs you know, fear in order, with, in order to kind of keep him yeah. from becoming reckless or becoming a monster.
2: Exactly, and I just thought that that was just very well handled, you know, with the callback to not only the film but the themes behind the film. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that aside, that little brief of yeah, bells was probably my favorite. And I don't know about you, but. I I don't know. I'm kind of hard to find who would be second for me, because I feel like it's almost a two-way tie for second place. Okay. That would be either Anne Hathaway or Joseph Gordon-Levitt for me, anyway.
1: Yeah, I I, honestly, for me, it's Anne Hathaway. I think her Catwoman was. She managed to take a role that has been so many, that's been played by so many actresses and make it her own and make mm-hmm. it more true to the character than it has ever been. Yeah. Like you said it was the comics and more.
2: Um one thing that really two things that sold her on me. Well, the first thing that sold her on me, I guess it's kind of a variation of the second thing's variation first, but that scene where um, she's in uh you know, Bruce is secluded in a wing and you know, he comes up to her and she's all the demeanor made and stuff.
1: Yeah, 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 and, and she like, all of a sudden, she she plays her like very shy, very like, Oh, oh, I wasn't supposed to be her. Oh, I'm very sorry. Yeah,
2: She's very meek and stuff, and then, then all of a sudden, you know, she turns on a dime and bam, you know, she's she gives a the
1: cow. Yeah, she gives this smile during that scene that really like oh crap. Yeah. Her um, her true nature just showed. Yeah.
2: And then there's another scene where, um, like, you know, she's in the middle of, uh, like, she's almost killed by the people who are working, you know, for the League of Shadows, Bane. And then the police come in, and, like, there's so many times, like, she, like, she shifts, like, her personality and acting Mm -hmm. in that, that I thought was brilliant. Because it almost feels like Selena Kyle, in addition to being a, uh, you know, a jewel thief cat burger. She's also a bit of a con woman.
1: Yeah, yeah, not only that, but she's, like, she must have, like, in her backstory, she must have gotten, like, serious acting lessons, because cause, <laughs> she, like, she can do anything, like, she can play anything.
2: It's almost, it's almost as if she was nominated for an Oscar.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, something like that, but um, I definitely get what you mean, because that scene where she's freaking out to the police and screaming and everything, it's, like, yeah. not only that, but the way she just immediately turns it off as soon as they're gone. Yeah. And just yeah. is cool and calm and everything. It's like, for my money, she is the best actress of the trilogy. I think she gave yeah. the best performance of the female.
2: Well, I mean, like, I think we we talked about it a little bit when we went over the other two, belt, the Nolan films, I mean, but Maggie Gyllenhaal was good, but I think she could have been good if she had material like Anne Hathaway had, I think, to work with.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess it does boil down to the material, but...
2: And I do think that maybe, probably, some, some of the stuff I could see very very well were, like, maybe in a list of actors, some of the material that Anne Hathaway was given could have, you know, fell flat with another actress, possibly. One, maybe not as skilled.
1: Mm-hmm. And she definitely gives a performance, but... Joseph Gordon-Levitt as John Blake. Um, now... Before the film came out, did you feel that his character was going to end up maybe becoming Dick Grayson, or or that there he was, was really
2: Robin? There was all kinds of rumors about that, and honestly, I took those you know with a grain of salt because, like I said, these are the same people who said that uh,
1: Mister uh, Reese was the Riddler. Yeah,
2: he was going to be the Riddler, or Michael Anthony Hall was going to be the Riddler from Dark Knight and the same people that said uh, C. Thomas Howell and The Amazing Spider-Man was going to be J. Jonah Jameson
1: yeah or Norman Osborn
2: or Norman Osborn um, and I just took it with just a grain of salt you know because like just because of like I said with the casting of Michael Anthony Hall and The Dark Knight to uh, essentially being two scenes as a reporter yeah Um, but yeah it, it surprised me I kind of what really gave it away for me what was about to happen was pretty much that first scene he has with bruce Mm -hmm. and you know he that's that's probably one of the nitpicks i had with the film with that you know like he's able like some kind of sketchy reason just i mean i understand like you know they're both on a you know uh emotional level they're both very similar you know both orphans Uh, they had their loved ones taken from at a young age but you know, just because someone's like that doesn't necessarily mean that they're Batman.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: For all he you know, he could have been Patrick Bateman.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he certainly looks like Patrick Bateman. He's like uh, it's very very creepy.
2: All he needs is some 80s clothes.
1: <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. yeah I, I get what? And honestly, I hate to say it, but that's probably the a moment that really, to me, that's there's no redeeming that to me. Yeah calling him robin i think that's really Uh, dumb
2: i just felt like it was now i like certain types of fan service if it's handled subtly like like this is what me and my brother talked about he didn't necessarily need to be named like if they wanted to give him first name with something that related to the night week you know for robin they could have called him richard or they could have said you know my name is richard you know people you know my father used to call me Dick or something like that. It would have been perfectly fine, but that's the thing that I felt like, like I told him, like, no one really knows who, like, everybody knows Robin, no one knows who, nobody really knows him. like, Dick Grayson is the best-known Robin, and, but no one knows Jason Todd, no one knows Tim Drake. To so name him something other than Robin would have, you know, maybe people wouldn't have got that, and I do feel like that was the pandering part.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, is that Robin isn't a name, it's a code name yeah it's it's like it's just really yeah that part i i can't well Yeah, you know i
2: necessarily didn't take it as that you know just because his first name was robin didn't mean that he was going to go out there as robin call himself robin
1: well yeah but you know why the it's in the film
2: yeah
1: of course so on that mirror i can't really I can't really defend that. That was probably the dumbest moment of the film for me.
2: Um, and another moment I didn't care for too much was um when that part where like he's surrounded by like five five guys, five of Bane's men, they're about to kill him. And your Batman comes in and saves him, and he tells him, you know, if you're going to do this, you need to wear a mask. You know, that just kind of because he's a police officer. You know, yeah, it's not like he's out. I mean, I know this like at a time where he's out there.
1: Doing like vigilante type stuff. Doing his stuff.
2: vigilante type stuff, yeah. But he's still a police officer. But I thought maybe, maybe he said that not merely necessarily as a lesson. It's more of like you know to remind him, like you remember like early on in the film they had that conversation asking why he wore a mask. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that was to remind him why he wore his mask.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Well, that uh, that line also kind of seemed like okay. Well, we we know where this character is going. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I mean, should we go? just go ahead and go into what we didn't like about the film? Sure. Because uh, it seems like we've been kind of, we've been mentioning stuff here and there, and it seems like we kind of just want to get it out of the way. But yeah,
0: should,
1: overall, yeah, before I get into what I didn't like, overall, I still love the movie. I still think it's the best of the threequels. And honestly, yeah. like, as far as where I would rate the Batman movies... Um, I said earlier on another podcast that I would say it's Batman Begins, then the Dark Knight, and the Dark Knight Rises are hand in hand. Yeah, I
2: would say that as well. I mean, like I said, I like Batman Begins just as it being, like I said, a Batman movie. Because, you know, I mean, it's I, I like adaptations when people do their own things. You know, but it just felt like Batman Begins was closer in spirit to uh, like a story like year one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than you know something like The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises
1: where yeah they both Batman Begins kind of had a world that felt like Batman's world rather than a world that we recognize but Batman's in it and he's kind of yeah so going in it's like I did like it and actually the first word that I said when I walked out was wow in a good way
2: yeah I it took me a minute I had to you know collect myself honestly
1: but yeah
2: see um, that I am
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you and
2: ooh fix your characters make you cry <laughs>
1: well it really it was a hat they got you <sighs> hat so beautiful ugh <laughs> uh it represents everything and it represents the fate of Gotham. Yes. (laughs) But (laughs) hats will rise. But (laughs) uh, (laughs) but okay going in what would you say is your biggest complaint about the movie?
2: Hmm. I would say that honestly is is cool as it was to kind of tie it into the first film, like, I almost felt like the Miranda Tate Talia character almost wasn't needed.
1: Well, yeah, I, you know, I liked her, and I really liked the reveal with her, but yeah. that came off like way better than I expected, because I expected yeah. it from a mile away.
2: I, yeah, because... That was another one, like, we mentioned with Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. You know, all the speculation of her being Talia. I was like, no, come on. Just, really? You know, Yeah, because, like I said, I figured that she wasn't going to be Talia. I just figured she was going to, like I said, like, the same way with Mock Pantheon Hall's character. She maybe was going to play a relatively minor character.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess I could see that. From, um, the thing with me is that I follow spoilers, and so, yeah. unfortunately, I saw a picture of her months ago on the set in like a very a very talia like outfit. Uh, um walking out and, you know, she gets on the Batmobile. Uh so yeah, I, I think by that point I was like, yeah, we know who she is. But. but
2: like, you know, I had kind of a good idea just because like the part where um her and Bruce have done it. Oh uh, yeah. Um and like she's got like scar on her back, you know, she mentions how she can come up from nothing you know yeah kind of give her sort of a mysterious pass. they wouldn't give her a mysterious pass like that if they didn't fully intend on using it and as it went on you know as it went on and bruce started to trust her with more and more you know i got the feeling that you know she's going to betray him you know I figure she's tell you but i honestly didn't i just like you know the reveal with her being the child who was born in the pit instead yeah. of you know, the one they kept talking about instead of bane yeah i thought that was very well handled because honestly like, the little boy. I thought it was a boy. It looked like a boy.
1: Yeah, but then when you really look at it, it really is a girl. So. Um,
2: yeah, it's very very... Because I wondered, like, one thing that kept bothering me when they kept showing the flashbacks with, you know, the masked stranger who was helping the little little girl. Yeah. I kept wondering, that's going to be somebody. Mm-hmm. Was, I figured, man, I thought maybe it was going to be Roz. You know, like, he'd come back to help his own son, you know, out of guilt or something. hmm But, um... But no, I thought, you know, I thought that was a nice little twist.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I kind of get what you mean when you say, like, maybe she wasn't needed in the long run. Because when she makes her turn as Talia, and there's this big sequence where they have to catch up with her, like a a big chase sequence. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, when she shows up, it kind of diminishes Bane as a villain.
2: Yeah, that's what I kind of felt like. All of a sudden, he comes from this big awesome mass, you know, strategist, mastermind guy to be in just Talia's lackey. Yeah. All in like a six second, you know, yeah, uh, move.
1: And I like the backstory for him. I really like the idea yeah. of him, like, they were, he was protecting her because that's also in line with the comic books yeah. where they're actually lovers, but...
2: I kind of um, expected, like, um... I almost expected him to be like half brother and half sister. I expect you know, once I figured she was gonna end up being Talia, but I figured like, you know, I still thought he was going to be the boy in the pit. I didn't think you know, I thought maybe she was born outside. You yeah. Know. But but yeah, I, I thought you know I, I do agree with you say that it diminished him especially I do think like the way he went out was kinda of like, well, like a punk, I think.
1: Yeah and know, and for
2: yep woman, you know.
1: Yeah, and when he was built up in such a way it's like it really doesn't seem like that wasn't fitting in for the character.
2: And I do think that... Um, it wouldn't have fitting in just because... Well, I do think he got his... He got more than a chance to shine. Especially, like we talked about that fight scene in the middle where he breaks Batman. And then, you know, there's that awesome fight scene where Batman, you know, he finally gets after him. Because there's that awesome line. You know, after he got Bane down on the ground. You know, you know when I have trigger in my hand and got them safe you know you have my permission to die
1: yeah and then he said and then bane says to him i've broken you and he and batman realizes maybe he's gone over the line a little bit yeah and i I really love that moment i that. honestly if bane died right there because you know he was suffering with the mass damage like i think that would have been a good way for him to go out because it's like because it's like batman struck out and he really gave in and really got his chance to defeat Bane, and they shouldn't have, like, built him up as, oh, well, then he's gonna get his second chance at Batman and by strangling him, or whatever. Yeah. They're gonna do, like, around his neck. But, uh, yeah, that... I I definitely agree with you about Miranda Tate Natalia. I, um... I don't wish she wasn't in the movie, I just... They should yeah. have done more with her.
2: And I do think that they did do some interesting stuff because, you know, the whole... Make you follow, like, the plot line and stuff. Think back, like, with them manipulate... I mean, pretty much, she manipulated Bruce to to give her the bomb. You know, that's what she did. You know, as an ally, pretend to be an ally. Using Bane as a threat and Daggett as a threat, you know. She pretty much... He played right into her hands.
1: Yeah, and... I mean, honestly, you could see that the, even the romance that they have, the very short-lived romance that they have, you know, she... She was the instigator, you know, she was the one that kissed Bruce first. Yeah. And you could She's... tell, like, it was part of the plan all along. Exactly. Because cause not long after that, you know, you see Wayne Enterprises overtaken by Bane, and you see all this stuff down in the Research and Development Applied Scientist Department, you know, being reinvented and reinterpreted.
2: Yeah, I thought I thought that was cool, like, the big reveal that, you know, he, after he locked up Applied Scientist's just that way Dag and Bane can get to it only for Bane to just, you know, blow up the ground underneath the building and come on up that way. I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Okay, well, there's one big issue that I have. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much a logic issue because this is more of something that, it, if you think about it, it really didn't need to be seen because you assume this is what's going to happen. But I think this is specifically unreal like really just kind of way too far out there a little bit to kind of buy like it just it didn't really fit into the suspension of disbelief when Bruce climbs out of the pit and he he successfully makes it to the top and he mm-hmm. starts walking down that long pathway the next time you see him he's in Gotham
2: exactly that's yeah like how did he how did that happen you know
1: yeah especially since Gotham is walled off and everything and
2: yeah Well, I could maybe see if he had, like, the bat, like, at Wayne Manor somewhere, he could have flown to Gotham that way.
1: Yeah, maybe, but... (laughs) But the problem is getting to Wayne Manor. Yeah, and... uh, Yeah, that that was a big logic issue.
2: I want to see, I want to see, like, a deleted scene where, like, Bruce is on the back streets of Turkey or wherever that was, like, sucking dick to get airplane money
1: you know yeah or or like he's he's like bill bixby in the incredible hulk he's trying to get (laughs) trying to catch a ride as sad music plays
2: what happens is he walks into like a bar and he sees leonardo dicaprio do you need a job i'm an infiltrator you know and he just like goes through inception like he does a job like in six minutes because of the mind and stuff And he gets pulled out and he gets his money he flies back to gotham For Nolan, this all taking place yeah. in the same universe.
1: Ken, Ken Watanabe is there and he makes a phone call. Suddenly Bruce Winken enters the country again.
2: Yeah. And then, wait a minute, you look like a guy I met uh, oh. like six or seven years ago. Yeah, but he died. I oh, thought, must be
1: destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> You're a really racist accent of Ken Watanabe. Yeah, roe, Batman. Oh, God. But yeah. Yeah, he's uh, good with calculations. But yeah, there was also another big logic issue, which is at the end, Batman flies off the bomb, and there's a mushroom cloud. Mm-hmm. You assume Batman has escaped, but here's the thing: how? Well, you didn't hear. You remember
2: when Lucius Fox is looking at the bat, and they mentioned that Bruce fixed the autopilot. He fixed the autopilot like six months ago. He did.
1: Yeah, that's what the. I thought, that, I thought that, that line meant that the autopilot was broken because that's what he says later on is like, no autopilot.
2: Yeah, he was lying to Lucius.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah, oh.
2: because that's what, like, because he mentions that, like, the technicians are looking at it. He's like, because he's, he's asking, like, how can you fix it, you know?
0: Oh. Like, okay. how easy would it have been to okay. fix
2: it is what. Because like, it felt like Lucius was sort of blaming himself for Bruce Stein because he could never fix the autopilot.
1: Yeah, and she's like,
2: like, it's it's already been
1: fixed, you know, like yeah, six well, months ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay, okay. He's like,
2: he's like, who who fixed
1: it? He's like, Bruce Wayne. Okay, okay, well that fixes that for me. Um, listen, use your contact clues, in. Yeah, I, I mean I was just lost because you know that that hat.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's really not. Point anymore, um, but, um, I don't know. I mean, we but... um, go ahead. I, I, I was going to shift to another topic.
2: Or another thing that I didn't like.
1: Well, well, you go ahead first because I think this would be better saved for
2: last. Um, the the one thing another problem I had is like, you know, when they set up at the end of the movie, Bruce is walking with a cane, and like he goes to see the doctor played by the hilarious Tums. Jim Dangle yeah, Thomas, Thomas Lennon. Thomas Lennon. Yeah, I can not remember his real name. But um, <clears throat> he was hilarious in this. But, um, yeah, you know, he mentions he has no cartilage in his knee yeah. at all, among any other problems, uh, many other problems he has. And, but anyway, uh, they show him, like, a little while later, he puts, like, this brace on his knee, like a some sort of like, robotic brace or something.
0: Yeah.
2: And then that's it. You know, there's nothing else. Like, you know, the next time, like, he's fine. Like, okay, I get maybe, like, when he's Batman, when he wears it, you know, he's fine. He doesn't need to limp. But, like, when he's in the cave, I mean, he's in the pit, you know, beaten down, broken, all his equipment gone. There's no way, you know, he should have still been limping. You know, that thing should, like, it's like they, they forgot. Know, they forgot about it. Or, like, maybe they, if, if you're going to do that, just make him not have a limp. He can still be messed up. But don't be to the point where he needs a cane to function and then just, you know, put, hand wave it away by putting, like, a sweatband on his leg.
1: yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely was an issue that I had. And also, it's like, so Batman has super strength now? Like, when he kicked away that section of the cave? Oh, yeah, yeah, he knocked that brick out. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and he never really used that, like, his super kick. Um... But yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and they set up this character in it, uh, Deputy Foley.
2: Yeah. Uh huh.
1: Um, played by what's what was his name?
2: Matthew Modine.
1: Yeah, Matthew Modine. And you know, I get his arc in the in the movie. It's just he goes out in just kind of a quiet way. Like it's not really made important or anything.
2: Well, I kind of, I kind of like that because, like, his character arc is like him, like you know when we first see him, he's sort of like a Weasley kind of guy. He's, you know, he just, he's got his eyes on Gordon's, you know, seat.
1: Yeah, and you know he's he's trying. There's that scene where he lets Bane go just because they yeah. want to pursue Batman.
2: Exactly. And um, but as, as Gotham gets worse, you know, he, they see him like you know he's Gordon's second in command. With the resistance, but then when things start getting really bad, you know, he goes home. and then I, I really like that scene between him and Gary Oldman that they had. Where, you know, he's reminding him like, what's at stake and how, you know, what they can do to help. But then, you know, he comes back. Of course. And I, you know, and I, I understand maybe he didn't die like, an over heroic way. But I don't think he necessarily needed to.
1: Well, it, it wasn't necessarily that. It was just more of, like, they just... Briefly flash over his body. After yeah, I'm just like shot. you didn't really see him
2: get shot at all. He just yeah, you know, they, was... sh- they more or less showed it. It's like, hey, all right, this guy. If we don't show you this, you're gonna wonder what happened to him.
1: Yeah, I, it, it was more of like, well, he he had his redeeming moment when he stepped in uh, into you know when he stepped. Beside his other officers, and he took the charge and stuff yeah. against the Bane's militia. But, yeah, it was just like, at the end of the day, it's like, he didn't really get a line after that. Like, like after that scene with Gordon, it's like he doesn't really get anything to do beyond that. except. Yeah,
2: well, I mean, like, I think that's kind of alright a little bit. Because, I mean, this one thing I've seen people complain is all the characters in the film. They, you know, folks complained about it, but, um, yeah, I think, I think it worked work, because, you know, he doesn't necessarily need to be that important of a character, you know.
1: Yeah, well, I, I don't know, I don't really like it, but, um.
2: Of course you don't, because it's cool when he's a, he's not a superhero, anybody who's not a superhero you don't
1: like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, your favorite character in the series is Gordon, so.
2: He was a hero by putting a coat on a little boy,
0: telling him it was gonna be all right.
1: <laughs> you want Gordon begins?
2: Exactly. After That's, this, screw that. I want Joe. I want Joseph Gordon Levitt rocking a mustache <laughs> and glasses. James
1: Gordon Jr.
2: James, you know, but that made me think it'd be he would be kind of interesting as James Gordon, like the one from the comics that Zack Snyder created.
1: Or, I've never seen him do anything Scott like Snyder. that. That's his Scott Snyder. Didn't I? No, you said Zack Snyder.
2: Oh, I did. I said Scott Snyder.
1: I thought, well, you sounded like you said Zack.
2: It's probably my mic. So I would never know. Uh-uh. Zack Snyder's the only comic book character. Zack Snyder made moved in slow motion all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he was the worst Snyder. superhero ever.
1: <laughs> you never get anything done. I'll see. In fact, in, like, the 52nd issue, he's still, like, only a step further than he was in the first.
2: (laughs) It's just, like, him move, like, you see him move, like, a millimeter at a time. While, like, there's, like, each issue is just, like, tons of, like, dialogue narration in in the boxes. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Slow motion Sam. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Isaac Snyder. But, um, but yeah, that would be kind of interesting to see joseph gordon levitt as james gordon jr if they ever tried to you know but
1: yeah he's kind of had his shot as at the batman
2: he's not really so much james gordon jr as he is the speculation and pretty much the confirmation of the flip side that he is sort of this universe's version of dick grayson and he's sort of at the end you know they show him very heavily implied you know, pretty much all but spelled out that he's going to continue Batman's legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, what do you think of that? I mean, like, that's something that seems to be with
1: most people. It's a very divisive issue. Some people loved it, some people hated it. My thing with it is, you know, they did good. They, I felt they did a good job of building his character up. It's just that. He never showed up in either of the two installments. He was never even hinted yeah. at.
2: Yeah, that's what... That was mainly my problem with the character.
1: Yeah.
2: Was, like, I think... Did I mention it to you on the uh, the other podcast we did?
1: I'm not sure, but...
2: I think I mentioned to you at least once, like, before. Like, you know, in passing, when we've talked about the film. That that was usually my biggest problem. Was that, yeah, he just shows up out of the blue. Out of the blue.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And at the end, like, two and a half hours later, Bruce is like, Hey... Be Batman for
1: me, yeah, yeah, and honestly, another big problem I have with it is that when you see John Blake in the movie and you see him doing all this stuff to try and help people, you know he's he, he, obviously his heart's in the right place, but he doesn't have the skill that Batman has, you know he he can't fight like Batman can,
2: yeah, I mean you know, there's one part where he has to, yeah, Batman has to come rescue him.
1: Yeah, and not only that, but there's, like, one part where he's fighting two guys, and he ends up killing them.
0: <laughs>
2: well, actually, I thought that scene worked well as, like, you know, after he accidentally kills him, like, hey, there's a moment where he, like, he looks down at his gun yeah, in disgust yeah. and that, he's that, that That's sort yeah, of...
1: I, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... That's sort of,
2: like, his, like, the rationale behind, like, you know, they set that up that, you know, as Batman, he wouldn't use guns just based on that reason, I thought.
1: Yeah, but, I, I get that, but... It's like <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> who's gonna teach him to fight? <laughs> That's what
2: the people were talking about. I wanna see a movie with Joseph Gordon levitts Batman, you know. It'll be five minutes,
1: you know, I'm back. <laughs> dead. Yeah. Yeah. But um Yeah, not really a big fan of that ending. I thought it was handled well in context. I think yeah. like I I got like a really good chill when he was in the Batcave at the final shot and it started it started like levitating up. Yeah. Like, the entire platform started levitating up and then it just cut to black with the music. Like, I think it works in context, but not as an idea as a whole. I think mainly the problem I have, it felt like it kind of contradicted
2: Batman's like His thing was, I mean, to be a symbol of inspiration, a symbol of hope. And him sacrificing himself to save the city would serve that purpose, I felt. There was really no need For someone else to pick up the mantle because he said that before. He did. He wants. He wanted to retire because that's something that uh, Alfred points out that he wanted him to retire. You know, he wanted. He wants to one day stop and sort of. You know, he didn't have a reason to stop. You know, but he wanted. He wanted someone like like they mentioned with with Harvey. He wanted Harvey Dent to take on his work as Batman, not as Batman but as a district attorney, someone the public could know and someone the public could trust, not someone who needed to hide behind a mask and a symbol.
0: Yeah. And I
2: think that, you know, Blake carrying on as Batman or Nightwing or Robin or whatever he's going to be kind of defeats that purpose, I
1: think. Well, I I don't know. When you consider the fact that Yeah, he said that, but then Gotham ended up going to absolute crap because Batman wasn't there.
2: That's true, and I do think that was another theme of the film. Was that, you know, the theme that no matter what, there's always going to be
1: evil in the world. Yeah, and there's going to have to be someone there to fight it. Yeah. Which leads into my... Probably one of my biggest problems with the film. And I know Bruce Wayne... You know, eventually he's got to retire. He's got to give it up. Yeah,
2: and I'll say I figured that, like, the way they set it up and him being hurt and stuff, although they kind of forgot about that after five minutes, but I felt like, you know, he had enough in him for, like, one last hurrah. Like, he could take on Bane and do all this stuff, but he wasn't
1: going to be out there night after night after night like he used to be. Yeah, but one thing I kind of don't like about that is that When you think about it, this version of Batman has been Batman for a total of one year. Because in Dark Knight it said, A year ago, these cops and lawyers wouldn't have dared cross you. Which implies the idea that by the time the Dark Knight hits, Batman's only been active for maybe a couple months. Six months at most, or something like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I don't know, Like, I would say some time past... And Batman Begins not a whole lot. Maybe a couple of weeks at the most.
1: Yeah, but... um, Then, you know... After what happens with the Joker and Dent... Batman quits... For eight years, and then... He takes up the cowl again... For this, and then... He takes it on a final time. I, I think it said three months passed between... Bruce being imprisoned and... Um, I think... I want to say it was five months... Well... There was, I thought
2: supposedly the bomb, like, you know, was supposed to go off within around five months. Um, Cause, because, like, the doctor says, you know, it'll, the bomb will explode six months, like, in months' time. And Bane's like, I'm five months if my calculations are correct.
1: Yeah, I guess, I guess, in the scale thing, it's like, it doesn't really, dialogue explains that time has passed, not much else does.
2: Dialogue and like you've seen the like the seasons change and stuff, like you know, snowing and things.
1: Oh, that's a wasn't it already snowing?
2: Well, no, like at the beginning, it was more like fallish because I remember like, uh, seeing, like falling yeah. leaves
1: and stuff. Yeah, uh,
2: and one thing too is my brother called it is when Bruce is watching TV, like one of the things says, like you know, it's been 87 days since it's something you know, since Bane took over Gotham. And I think that's the scene where Morgan Freeman said, well, Morgan Freeman. Lucius Fox, aka Morgan Freeman, um says there's only like twenty three days I think they've got
1: left. Yeah. To stop Bane. Yeah. So it's so. like you've got Batman at most like a year and a half. But that's really the all he's been doing. It's like they made such a big deal out of Batman Begins of him becoming Batman and you know, by the end of it you imagine he would go on and fight his own adventures and stuff, and then he fought the Joker and Two Face and then Bane and you know he got Catwoman but then yeah. that's it yeah. like like something about that rubs me the wrong way because I feel like a proper way to do it is to still include the idea that one day he could go on to fight the adventures that we never see like he, he could go on to fight a Riddler or he could go on to f- have like a Robin or hmm. I, I kind of and see also... where you're
2: coming from for that yeah.
1: but like I also i mean
2: uh i understand that this is the comics batman and i know you do too of course but you know i think i'm kind of fine with that just because it's someone else's take on but it's not that's the thing like as much as i love like the burton films as much i love the animated series as much as i love, love the nolan films you know they're not the definitive end all be all take on it i mean it's, I think it's very interesting to see an end for Bruce Wayne, or like a Bruce Wayne retirement, just because that's something that we'll never see in the comics. You know, that's something that wouldn't. We'll, you know, we'll never see in a, what we saw. You know, in the in the animated series with Batman Beyond. But it's just like you know something that we never probably ever get a chance to see again because. Yeah, you know, and but I, I was fine with the way that you know. We've talked about the films are kind of loosely realistic, you know. They sort of—I feel like they sort of threw all realism out the window the minute that they started having ninja assassins and you know, Batman Begins.
1: Yeah, um, and a microwave emitter, and
2: yeah, all that stuff. But it would make sense for like a guy. Like the thing with Batman is he doesn't necessarily need—he needs to be out there every soft to be effective. You know, eight years retirement—I mean, of course, not effective. But if he goes out there. Just the idea that he's out there is more than enough. You know, I've always felt like that's more of a compelling, or you know, compelling reason to do it—not necessarily so much to fight crime, but to prevent crime just by knowing that he's out there. Like, you know, there's that scene in The Dark Knight where you know that drug dealer sees the bat signal and he won't sell that guy just because you know, the bat signal's, up, you know, yeah. lit. And like the guy's like, you, know, you have more chance of winning the lottery than running into him, and. Just, that's what I'm saying, like, just the fact that, you know, he doesn't necessarily need to be active for me anyway to say that he was effective. But I know what you're saying, like, the idea of him doing all those adventures and stuff. You're right, you know, that's yeah. what you, you would want to speculate that maybe that's what you would like to see.
1: Well, or not see,
2: but like, the idea that, like, he, that happened or that can happen.
1: Yeah, well, it's not only that, but I feel like Bruce's character has always been for me what feels in character is an idea that Bruce will only give it up when he when he's gone to the absolute limit and I didn't think this was the absolute limit that he could have I feel like he could have given it more like he could have still done more even even after you know he quote unquote sacrificed himself I feel like there was still more that he had to offer and this was you know it's not like Bruce was in his 80s or something. Yeah, like Yeah, I know.
2: He's or still,
1: his 60s. I assume he's like what, close to
2: 40, because they established that Bruce is around 30. Yeah. In Batman Begins. So he's like 38
1: at least. Yeah, and that that was like a, kind of another thing that rubbed me the wrong way. It's like it's a Batman and still relatively in his prime. I mean, they tried to make him up to be a little bit older, obviously, because you know Bruce had gray streaks in his hair. Yeah. But. Yeah, I just... The ending didn't really... As, as a statement of Batman's character, I didn't think it was a really good way for him to go up because I feel like Batman is someone who is so obsessed with his end goal, so driven by his end goal, that the only way he will ever give it up is if he A, dies, or B, just physically is immobilized or something.
2: Yeah. Well, I do kind of feel like that's true for the comics. They kind of didn't really... It's kind of a little bit different, I felt, with the Nolan films. Because, like, that's what he's always said, you know. In, like, the first Batman, that you know, he wants... He doesn't necessarily want to die doing this. He wants to make Gotham a place... You know, essentially make a place where... You know, like, an eight-year-old kid will never lose his parents. Well,
1: uh, yeah, but that's... That's from the comics. I, I, know,
2: I know what you're... I know, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, he he talked realistically about stopping one day if the city can turn itself around and it feels like you know with you know Bane shattering the lie of Harvey Dent and Two-Face and the city you know using the proper symbol of hope not Harvey but Batman and it is finally free of the lie that you know Batman and Gordon told to you know the propped up Harvey like a false idol or whatever I think yeah he said. Um, but it
1: just feels like it's a more optimistic place to where he can stop you know what I mean yeah I guess I get what you mean by that um, I still I still have my own quarrels with it and it's like I guess this is something really you and I are just gonna have to disagree agree to disagree on
2: but I feel like you and I are destined to argue about this forever
1: you'll be in a pet self forever <laughs>
2: Actually, I'll uh, I'll dive overdose in three months. <laughs> wow. I'll take Ambien and Nyquil and
1: uh, other things. I've got all they take took, but yeah, but um, yeah. As an end to the trilogy, I'd say it I'd say it did pretty good. Yeah. I'd say it's a good note for Nolan to go out on because you know he can't do okay, it forever. Huh. He can't keep doing installments, otherwise, he's just going to run the risk of being continually just... yeah,
2: And I do think that this one was the chanciest of the three. You know what I mean? It had the most thing... the most to lose. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even more so than, like, Batman Begins, where they were restarting the franchise, I think,
1: because Batman and Robin had set the bar so low. Yeah, well, with Batman Begins, like, they had so much freedom to do whatever they wanted, because it was a reboot. Yeah, Uh, but, like, you
2: know, following the Dark Knight, um, was a big, uh... Uh, a big test for, him. I mean, that'd be a big problem for anybody. Yeah. yeah. Nevertheless, yeah. the guy who made The Dark Knight
1: yeah, had the to can... top himself. And even he said, you know, the only reason he came back was because he felt he had one more story to tell, and then the story was the conclusion, yeah. and this yeah. is the conclusion, so.
2: I, you know, you mentioned earlier about, like, Return of the Jedi. I kind of put it on par with Return of the Jedi. Yep. Like, Return of the Jedi wasn't as good as Empire. To me, you know, the Dark Knight Rises wasn't necessarily as good as the Dark Knight, but as far as like ends of the series offering a satisfying emotional conclusion, you know, I think they did that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I think a comparison of that is very apt and very suitable because, you know, obviously people regard the Star Wars ser- series with a uh, nostalgia and a very time-induced, you know, view point mm-hmm. but i think this as time will go on will be proven to be more of the sort of the comic book equivalent of that as for, or the batman equivalent yeah. at least because this is the first batman trilogy really and it's the first definitive take by one person consecutively so yeah on that level i think i think it worked I think it succeeded, and you know what? Honestly, I really want to go and see The Dark Knight Rises again. I yep. want to see it again and again. And I think it's a worthy addition to all this history. I think it's a worthy... You know, it's a worthy... In that it takes its place in the stable of Batman movies. That we've oh, been, yeah. that we, yeah. Especially considering we've been talking about Batman movies for the past month now.
2: Yeah. Going on 20 days now.
1: Yeah. And finally, like... Nolan's Batman Trilogy We've reached the end
2: Yes we have risen And I don't mean Standing up
1: <laughs> uh, you, you just had to pick A classy note To go out on Didn't you That's right uh, Damn you Clown Prince of Crime But uh
2: <laughs> This has been fun I mean seriously Like I, I know it was A real chore For us to Talk about Batman
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah It's a real drag
2: Real, I like that real drag. Were you like a kid from the nineteen (laughs) fifties?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, but yeah, I agree. It's it's done some things for me in that I've gotten to say a lot of what I've been feeling for the past ever since I was four years old. I first discovered the Batman character and it's carried throughout all the years. You know, nearly about 18 years now that I've loved Batman
2: four years old when you find the character oh you're such a you're such a hipster you only liked him before I mean like me you know actually I'm the hipster See, so I like Batman but it was cool
1: <laughs> yeah
2: I like the superhero you probably never heard of him it's called Batman
1: yeah be yeah yeah but obviously you know seven and so months later I think we could safely say he is very much a big deal I guess it's time to wrap things up it's time to bring this to a close so, mm-hmm. if you're ready, we'll finally um, pull the plug on Batman.
2: Well, before we go, I do want to say a uh, big thanks to you because, you know, I've been talking, talking, talking. That's all I do. I talk, 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 talk about Batman stuff. But you're the one that's doing the work. You know, you're editing the podcast and you're putting them up, you know, and often the night of us, you know, publishing them.
1: Yeah, this has been very... I will, I will have to say, this was a pretty large task, but it was one that I undertook completely knowing what I was getting into. Yeah. This was something we both forged, and I feel like it is a two-man effort, and there's no one I would have rather talked to about Batman than you for this. <laughs> You're my hero. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, but, but not the hero that deserves. Yes, the hero we Batman need. Needed.
2: Yeah, we're you're the one we needed. Um, I've had a blast, man. All right. I think it's. I think this was very fun. I would like to maybe not do, you know, a whole month dedicated to Batman, but um. Maybe something. We've been, we've been talking about maybe doing something next year, at, you know, around the time that like, Batman was first published.
1: Yeah, Try to come up with
2: something special.
1: Something very much smaller in scale, but something similar. Like a special, maybe one episode. Like a special one episode. Yeah. Every year. Like once a year. For now, I
2: guess we'll scurry back to Wayne Manor and go into exile. For with our year. bum knees.
1: <laughs> yeah, that are conveniently forgot about. and yes. we get a brace.
2: We get a brace up, just coming. Then we kick a bunch of Mexicans through walls.
1: But until we get that brace, until we return to our regularly scheduled Dork Knights podcast, and until we slide down the bat poles yet again, farewell, boy wonder. Farewell, Cape Crusader. This has been, for now and always, that month. right i'm angry
2: finding my bosses. Well, sergeant. Oh, it's lieutenant now. You know, you really started something. Bent cops running scared. Hope on the streets. But? The Narrows is lost. And we still haven't picked up a crane. Or half the inmates that are freed. We will. We can bring Gotham back. Yeah, what about Escalation? Escalation? We start using semi-automatics. They buy automatics. We start wearing Kevlar. They buy armor-piercing rounds. And? And you're wearing a mask, jumping off rooftops. Now take this guy. Arm robbery, double homicide. Has a taste for the theatrical, like you. Leaves a calling card. i at You know, I never said thank you.
0: And you'll never have to.